0: You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before it's last call. Georgette Moja-Petrovsky, author of the best-selling book Regarding Cocktails, joins me to talk about the coolest private salon in New York City and her love of oysters. Check it out. On. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am sitting with cocktail writer, travel journalist, Georgette Mosier Petroski. She joins me today to talk about our mutual love of oysters and the coolest party in town that's in her house. And if you're lucky and if you listen, you might be invited. I will say we prefaced this with we had a dozen oysters, a Bolishably, and cocktails <laughs> at Raoul's before we started this, but I'm so, so happy to be sitting here with the. Uh, so let's start with uh, the book Regarding Cocktails, like uh, the genesis of that and what that's about and how it has uh, moved you forward
1: uh, uh, into what you do. Yes, so uh, Regarding Cocktails was um, a book uh, published by Faden. Uh, it's a kind of a liquid memoir, uh, love letter to my husband, Sasha Petrosky, who pretty much changed the way we consider cocktails um, the way we began to drink in a more civilized fashion uh, after the emergence of his bar's milk and honey and Little Branch, uh, subsequently uh, Attaboy, and uh, pretty much anything the Petrosky family touched. Uh, the recipes in this book are from uh, 25 different bartenders that he personally trained, and they're all stories of how these cocktails came to be. Uh, a lot of sure. them are cocktails that were from another era another are reinvented from Mm -hmm. that era and uh one we're actually enjoying right now the medicina latina is a cocktail from marcos tella a milk and honey classic um and this one was actually a, a favorite uh from the varnish in in los angeles um but yeah, right. I mean,
0: uh, Sasha was credited with inventing basically modern cocktail culture. Any bartender who's anyone right now probably um, has been affected by Sasha or has worked in the cocktail industry with him from his bars or certainly copied his recipes. Um, he was the pioneer. Um, and uh, he was writing this book, and you finished it because... Yeah, well, he, yeah. Yeah,
1: he was about spent uh two essays into the book he had a a great chapter on setting up the home bar- te- uh the home bar and um uh, a little section on cocktails for cats, which he <laughs> wanted to pull into a, a whole book sure. uh,
0: by the way, way ahead of the whole cat internet
1: oh, you know, meme of no. like <laughs>
0: cats just sitting there and like yeah you know, slapping yeah Sasha yarn. always
1: believed that uh oh. cats were superior to humans, and <laughs> he he always said, uh you know we will we will never be very, very rich, we will be maybe one day comfortable because we will be sure that all the cats have a home first <laughs> before we are ever too That's comfortable great. so That's uh, great. Yeah. yeah
0: um but you um courageously finished his. Uh, regarding Cocktail's book, yeah, I, right? Uh,
1: I was I was approached by Faden uh, at his first memorial. There were seven. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they uh, they said, well, uh, as someone who's a spirits and cocktail writer and someone who knew him so personally and intimately, uh, there'd be no better person to finish the job uh, so or even begin the job. I mean, the book wasn't named. The recipes hadn't come together. The art hadn't come together. None of the storytelling had come together. Uh, this book for Sasha probably would have looked very different from from what actually materialized.
0: Um, In what way do you think it would be different?
1: Well, these are all stories about Sasha at the bar. These are memories that his bartenders had of him and how these cocktails came to be. Sasha himself was very shy. He was also very reserved. He... Would have wanted it to be less sentimental, more straightforward, but mm. uh, he didn't really have a say in the matter. Right, <laughs> but uh, but his Bar family did, and helped me put together this this beautiful book that is such a tribute to him.
0: Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God or whoever, he was married to you mm-hmm. three months. Who is an exceptional writer and journalist. And kind of had the vision to finish this, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it was was certainly the most difficult period of my life. Um, You know we had no sooner gotten off the Orient Express from our honeymoon and our 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 wedding vows in the in the rare book room of the Strand before he he passed away at the untimely age of 42, uh, three months after we were married. Uh, But uh, i I wanted to to have something in the history books and have this be a kind of history book of a moment in time in New York City and uh, and capture all of these cocktails and, and memories from his from his friends and colleagues
0: Sure. I mean, uh, there's nobody more beloved and certainly started the whole cocktail culture that we now know um, so strongly. Uh, and uh, so many people have studied under or look up to him, and it's a uh, it's an amazing blessing that you could finish the book. I mean, you wrote several columns for Spirits Hunger, which is a um, note. What was the name of the magazine?
1: Oh, it was actually uh, Spirits Hunters.
0: Spirits Hunters. Sorry.
1: Yes, it's a French publication.
0: Yeah. Ah, okay. But like, um, so like beautifully creative. Um, you you're running um, about like fictional bars that were set in eras long past. Like 1922 in Paris. Yeah, 19, yeah. So that uh, was
1: like, that was a really, yeah. uh, really fun column, which I'm I'm looking to to bring to life again mm-hmm. soon. Uh, but yeah, uh, bar imaginaire uh, was kind of like the the Proust questionnaire mm-hmm. in Vanity Fair, where you sit right. down with someone and you have them kind of fill out this template of of their own wild imagining. So my questions were for um, spirit creators, uh, hoteliers, bar owners. Um, you know, tell me what your cocktail would be uh, for your theme bar. Tell me what your theme bar would be called. What moment in time it would be. The who moment your in time is very be. cool.
0: I mean, to me, the it's like, it, so like, they can
1: choose if they want to travel to nineteen twenties, or the nineteen forties, nineteen seventies. They, it's really up to them. And it's pretty remarkable how every person I spoke to already had. The idea of where they wanted their bar to be, what part of the world, who the guests were going to be, and uh, some of them were, were pretty out there, yeah. and, and I love that.
0: Tell me the uh, the story about the uh, gentleman who was like a hotelier, uh, bar architect, like Ant- Antarctica in like 1955, because that is like just a like beautiful yeah. moment, right?
1: Um, that was uh, I think it was a uh, Dipak Ori. Yeah. Uh, so. He was—he was kind of a like a Bollywood Trump right. <laughs> of, of, of uh, what he did. He had uh, a complete vision for these over-the-top hotels, and I interviewed him in Thailand. And I said, "Okay, here's the format. Tell me what your dream bar would be." And he says, "Well, uh, it would be in Antarctica, mid-century." I said, "Well, you know, people were not were not traveling there, but you know, maybe you could do it towards the." Like maybe yeah. like
0: well, uh,
1: mid to late 60s. Like, great, great. And he says, okay, and and I, I would like everything to be sustainable. And I would like to have everything made out of recycled, corrugated plastic. I'm like, well, no, people were not doing that then. So. Yeah. Said, but you can have a bunch of polar bear rugs. He's like, oh, Vacuna. I want Vacuna. I'm like, oh, of course you do. And he says, and I want uh, Jackie Kennedy there. And I want Grace Kelly there. I'm like, no okay uh, I guess you could do that because and Marilyn Monroe I'm like no Jackie <laughs> and Marilyn not in the same room no, no, uh, no, no Jackie no. would probably be on the campaign trail at that point so right. we, you know yeah. just stick with grace <laughs> mm.
0: uh, but I, I, I love the um, I love the color um, as a writer and uh, that you could put in as in like You were talking about like the bar in Paris and you were like a cool gust of champagne and sandalwood breezing from across the bar from a fan in an ice block. I mean, that's just like, that's just beautiful writing.
1: You could just set that up, though. Yeah, I mean, I know, but anyone like, can do
0: that. No, of course anybody can't do that. That's where that's why you're here. That's what makes you you. Oh, no I, meant,
1: no, I meant someone could physically set up an somebody enormous ice block and a fan and then just, you know, of waft course. it with a little perfume and suddenly sound uh, a little trickles in. But
0: yes, of course, somebody <laughs> could create that, but as a writer for you to, like, bring that to life and color. And that's what I mean, like, providing the color for these articles that you wrote. In this particular piece of these uh, people creating bars, like who's creating a bar in nineteen fifty-five in Antarctica when people <laughs> just begin to explore? I mean, that's the the brilliance of your writing is that you are pulling people and and forcing people to really push and create, and then and then look okay, at not only like what does the bar look like? Who's there? Yeah, who's at the bar? Yeah. Right? I mean, this is a great like, exposé that you did in multiple articles. That well,
1: I one of my, my favorite interviews was uh, Emmanuel Balestra, who does the Majestic Bar in
0: Cannes.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, he's such a colorful personality in our industry. Um, so he's, uh, we, we actually took a, a Vespa out to Moujon and we're driving around uh, on, on a Vespa. And he's like, this is where my imaginary bar would be right on the top of this hill. And it would be <laughs> completely glass enclosed, built out of a rock, and uh, Salvador Dali would give me uh, the bar mascot. It would be a very small horse. I'm like, great. Uh, why, don't, why don't you just sh- Cheval Lumier? Lumiere? Oh, perfect, Cheval Lumiere. So, um, you know, the painted horse. And yeah. uh, so suddenly it went to the next level. He's like, okay, so I want the cocktail special to come out on the back of a horse. <laughs> at, at the chime of a cuckoo clock and the bird signals the, the magical time the, the golden hour the, the, the special little cocktail comes out and goes, oh and I want to have it served in these, uh, these hand-blown glasses that I make these biote glasses uh, suddenly it's just now he's making the glassware now right. he's, you know, he's not only naming the cocktail but he's getting down to the nitty gritty of <laughs> what it's served in like but this mental.
0: is to your brilliance that you can mine this kind of, like, thought. I mean, you're tapping the right people, but you're also tapping an incredible vein of, like, creativity. You're, like that, I mean, that's amazing to hear somebody, this is where they would design a bar. This is who should be sitting at the bar. This is, like, what they should be hearing with the with the sound of the cuckoo. I mean, this is... A, what they, they should be smelling sandalwood. They should be... Feed, they, I mean, it's like, that's that's the brilliance of well, your writing. Well, if you writing. bring
1: it out of them, you never know what it'll lead to. Yeah. I mean, who's to say? Maybe there could be... A variation on that. It could be. I mean, look at Little Red Door in Paris. I mean, look right. at all of those beautiful cocktails that came out of that, and the the immersive experience it was to to actually taste. Uh, you know, the the concept of Remy's drinks of like, oh, would you like to taste Art Nouveau? Would you like to taste Brutalism? Like, what, what would you what would you like in your glass? And and uh, conceptual cocktails like that are built from. Ideas that themselves are so conceptual. Like, here's your bar. Where can it be? Anywhere in the world, anytime. Who's the patrons? What's the decor right. going to be? So,
0: and, and more gonna, importantly, who's the mixologist who is deciding what brutalism looks like? <laughs> right. I mean, like, I think that was Remy Savage <laughs> and, his, yeah. and his bar team.
1: And they, uh, hmm, but you know what I mean? That that takes a
0: certain deft hand for sure. Um, to to be able to pull that off, because mm-hmm. in theory it sounds great, but mm-hmm. uh, what does it actually taste like? All right.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was a bit chalky. It mm-hmm. was uh, <laughs> served in a a pillar. It was um, yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> but what a great expose! That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like the <laughs> the the dive that you did on that to create that is, is is pretty crazy. So, what cocktail are we drinking now? Um, that uh, you yeah. devised for us for. The podcast well
1: you said that you yeah. had an affinity for uh, mezcal and tequila mm-hmm. so here's one that had a bit of both this is the medicina latina um and this is a cocktail uh popular in uh milk and honey and also at the varnish in los angeles uh it's created by marco T- marcos tello uh it's uh tequila a little bit of honey syrup ginger syrup uh lime juice um were 86 candied ginger, but that's <laughs> supposed to go on top. And then I
0: tried. I tried. That's
1: all right. And then a bar spoonful of mezcal,
0: mm. and
1: uh, just lovely over one big cube in a glass, and, and there you have it.
0: Well, thank you, because I'm still we're drinking it, and uh, <laughs> um, uh, it was a great start to the evening. But um, so then let's let's talk about regarding oysters because that's your new company, and uh, we both have a ridiculous love for <laughs> oysters. Uh, So what segued into that?
1: So during the pandemic, all of my travel writing work dried up. Um, I also worked as a beauty editor, and all of that work uh, evaporated as well. Uh, Suddenly you're not naming lipsticks when people are just wearing a mask over their face, and people (laughs) don't want to spend that much on moisturizers uh, or or read poetry about them that you're... Fashioning into ad copy. Don't you um, think
0: dentists took the biggest hit, like during the mask thing? Because everyone's think like, so. like who's going to get their teeth cleaned? Oh, fuck <laughs> my grills, fucked up. Who cares? I got a mask <laughs> on. They took the biggest hit. I think. Oh. I think. Right.
1: Yeah, but you didn't try naming lipsticks in a pandemic. I, I don't recommend for anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Man, that is like a Sisyphusian task. <laughs> like, oh, this is like, this is the lipstick you should be wearing under your mask that nobody's ever going to see. Yeah. Except for you when you go home yeah. depressed and cry before yeah. you go to bed.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Stay in Imaginaire. <laughs> um, oh, I like that. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, so how Regarding Oysters happened. Um, I was having a kind of kind of melancholy night one evening. I was... I was Rewatching watching Babette's Feast and ironing out some French linens I had and I had this idea to just set the table uh, Sixth place setting and uh, Everything looked really nice. I had staged with candles and I kept thinking wow Wow, dinner party would be so nice.
0: And you're by yourself.
1: <laughs> by myself. <laughs> Sirens are going by and we've all had our seven o'clock clap and uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I decided to just go for it and I cracked open a bottle of one of my favorite champagnes, Billecart-Salmon Brut Rosé, yeah. and I poured it in the coupes at every place setting and I proceeded to sit at every place setting to just get a perspective and and well just drink everybody's Champagne. <laughs> I, I, I
0: fucking love this. You know, it reminds me of The Shining
1: when he's sitting at the oh, bar. Yeah.
0: He and the barman. He just starts talking I just, to him. Just a little bar. bit of saline
1: from yeah. the tears yeah. into the coop. Oh, yeah. So, um, so I, I, uh, I, I suddenly had this idea born for uh, regarding oysters. It was just the first blush of this uh, pandemic pivot. Um, I found myself in Hudson for mm-hmm. my birthday um, at. Farmer and Sons, which was uh, Sasha's last project was the barroom there. And I went into one of my favorite antique stores. It's basically the size of two city blocks. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I need some throw pillows and a vase. And there she was, um, in 1890s perfume counter, um, in this beautiful, washed out, kind of mint green, very umbrellas of Chevrolet. Mm -hmm. And I said, that somehow has got to get into my apartment uh my roommate had moved out during the middle of the pandemic i've left paying this enormous rent with no work coming in and so i i took out a forgivable ppp loan to start my business um <laughs> to which i i used it for beautiful vintage barware to complete my collection and and this bar this magnificent bar that somehow got logged up four flights of stairs right. the brownstone and murray hill and uh I had it outfitted the the, uh, the walls of the bar in uh, this beautiful William Morris Pimpernel wallpaper that I'd just been dying for ever since I saw it in the powder room of the Chateau Marmont. I said, one day that's going to come back to New York with me. So I tracked it down. And it was in the same color as the bar. So it really pulls you into another moment in time. Holy shit, you are other. driven. <laughs> yeah,
0: so. The vision is so <laughs> pure. It's great. Uh,
1: so, yeah, so how it really came together was uh, you know, to, to teach people how to make uh, two cocktails from regarding cocktails and uh, to also have oyster education. I was working with my friend Meg Strecker-Dow, who's an oyster farmer, in Peconic. Uh, she has a place in South Hold. It's an oyster farm. And I would help her on her boat and pull in these massive oyster cages. And she said, You know, you really love shucking. You should just maybe see about teaching people how to do this, maybe at your bar. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it kind of came together where she gave me the stick to pull in the. To pull in the uh, the, oh, the sound cages. of New York in the background. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, should you we You know where we're that? recording,
0: people. <laughs>
1: Proof of life. <laughs> Maybe a little too much living for uh. someone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, there she goes. Oh, it's oh, a fire yeah, truck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Apparently
0: somebody's <laughs> shucking an oyster wrong, and they called the fire department. <laughs> so, and uh, That's why Georgette's here. She's going to help yeah. uh, save them. But, <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, so um, I, was, I was helping Meg pull in the oyster cages, and uh, she gives me this stick with a hook on it to grab the buoy that waster cages. And I get it on the first time. And she goes, Atta girl. And I said, no, at a buoy.
0: Atta buoy. Atta buoy. Oh.
1: And suddenly that was the perfect name for a cocktail. It was an homage to our family at Atta Boy. Uh, it's actually finished with a little cornichon that looks like a buoy in a pearl-tipped, Toothpick, uh, But, yeah, the uh, the house martini is a, a two-to-one gin martini, uh, Ford's gin and uh, some Dole and Dry, uh, finished with a bar spoonful of oyster liquor and uh, topped with a, uh, a cornichon, uh, which is just the perfect amount of saline and brine. Yeah. And, and just it's the first thing that we have when we have our regarding oyster salons.
0: Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. I mean, just the idea of putting the oyster liquor in, a cocktail is just oh my
1: god. Yeah, so the um, the guests will have the the fresh shucked oyster with nothing on it before they have their martini. So I kind of kidnap the oyster liquor from right. the oyster when they're not looking, and it goes on top of their martini. But
0: this is the best party private event <laughs> in New York City, right? This is what makes New York City great. These kind of little events—it's only like six people.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's maximum six. Six yeah. is the six is the magic number I've found. As a hostess, it, it doesn't overwhelm me. If I mm-hmm. have another helper, it doesn't overwhelm the helper. And uh, yeah, everyone's able to to enjoy themselves and not feel rushed. Classes are about two hours, sometimes mm-hmm. a little bit over. Uh, depending on if they order extra oysters. Right. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, it comes with um, you know, two cocktails that they learn how to make, half a dozen oysters, and uh, different canapes that are served throughout.
0: And you show them how to shuck an oyster, which is really kind of like, I go, I mean, I've done the oyster diaries on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'd love to shuck oysters, but there is a craft to it, and it's really not super difficult, but it's just somewhat labor intensive. Yeah, right? it's
1: it's not so difficult. It's really understanding the architecture of the oyster. Yeah. Um. When you when you understand exactly how much brute force you're supposed to be implementing to actually pry this oyster open, like with a crowbar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which is, you know, your your curved tip knife, uh, but it is it is twenty two pounds of brute force that you need to pry it open That's and then yeah. sever the top adductor and then the bottom adductor. Um, I like to describe uh, getting the top part of the oyster off as like you're kind of opening a letter. Uh, my friend Meg says, "Oh, it's yeah. like turning a key in a lock," but I like the letter opening. I like it's the kind letter of old, opening too. Old fashioned thing.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your your love of oysters has been. Um, since like is grown I mean do you read Kurlansky's like The Big Oyster yes um, I love oh I love that book uh, anyone who, who's listening who loves oysters please read that book I mean
1: and Consider um, the Oyster as well Consider the Oyster as I mean, well
0: yep. yeah, yeah. but like New York was at the turn of the century had its own oyster beds right off the uh, lower Manhattan and, and 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 going out. Yeah, but those I mean, oysters have disappeared.
1: Yeah, we were eating right out of the, the yeah. East River, <laughs> which is yeah so crazy. I mean, there's, um, there's you know of course Billion Oyster Project is doing all they can to to build back those mm-hmm. those reefs and those oyster beds, and uh, it's looking pretty promising. Uh, but yeah, for for a while, I mean, New York was the hotbed of, of where you would enjoy the most beautiful oysters.
0: Yeah, people would ship oysters from New York City to like, like to the Queen of England would have them sent over. And um, it's also one of those uh, foods that crossed all cultural and economic barriers. Like there'd be oyster carts. There's actually an oyster cart now in New York. I reached out to them called Mother Shuckers that have... Oyster carts, but they have like planned. Like I'm on Atlantic Avenue, I'm I'm in Bushwick, I'm oh, in here. that's great! But they don't roll them around. But Something. I always thought like somebody should push a cart around densely populated areas with um great oysters, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, like,
1: God, it's so easy to do. I mean, you know, you think oysters are so heavy, or you know, I mean, I I bring back like 100, 200 oysters with me on the Hampton Jitney every time. I go out and I help Meg harvest. Oh, so when you harvest,
0: uh, you bring them back for your regarding winter oh, yeah, event, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I uh, I just you know put them on the jitney with me, and it's it's really quite easy. I Just lug them back home in a big cooler. Or? Yeah, um, oftentimes it's a big cooler. Other times it's uh, some uh, freezer bags with some some ice um, ice packs. But yeah.
0: Um, do you and your I mean, you, you travel extensively. You've written for Wine enthusiasts, You've written for a bunch of different uh, um, uh, journals about uh, food and, and traveling. And you're off to France to for this new oyster kind of event that's yeah. happening.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's um, it's it's my own personal research. Um, I'm I'm working on a story about luxury oysters. I I want to research the Gillardeau oyster, which has been touted as the Rolls Royce of oysters. So. Uh, going to be going over to that region. And then um, expanding on that, I want to do oysters that you know, are not even terribly edible. I mean, the, the oysters that contain the mother of pearl where the pearls are born mm-hmm. in uh, French Polynesia, those beautiful oh. black pearls. I, I want to talk to the oyster farmers there and see if maybe there are some culinary ways to enjoy those yeah. oysters. But uh, but yeah, the uh, the trip to France is is one I'm very very excited about because I do miss my my Paris friends so much. I'm and sure. I'm and sure. Taking some road trips. Do you have there. favorite
0: oysters? Do you are you more East Coast West Coast? I mean, well, I mean, we don't need to go sh- Crips Bloods <laughs> here as far as oysters are concerned. Well, I mean, but the, like,
1: the Chillerdew is actually yeah. my favorite oyster in okay. the world. I, I even love that there's like a little little G monogram on it. Oh, it's made for you. That's, <laughs> but, that's that uh, is the Rolls Royce. That's why it is. Monogram. It is exquisite. But um, no, I. Mean, I mean, I've I've really grown a taste for um, Yenikat oysters, which are the ones that I have pretty much all the time in, in my salon. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones that come from uh, Southhold and right. my friend Meg Strickerdale.
0: I'm more of an East Coast. I mean, I love I do like what I mean I like oysters just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm more of East Coast. I think the uh, colder the water, the better. Oh, That's absolutely. a personal. Um, Absolutely. I mean, like,
1: That's why yeah. I shy away from the West Coast myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think um, even in Virginia on the East Coast, I mean, so it's East Coast, but like the warmer oysters that grow mature faster or seem to have less, I don't know what it is, but like um, if you can take an oyster from Virginia and they, they can mature in less than a year and then you have uh, super cold waters where it takes like three to four years To mature I think you get more complexity and more saline and uh, which is why I steer a little bit away from Kumamoto's from the Mm -hmm. western uh pacific they're just more creamy it's it's
1: an oyster that always just tastes like it's spawning.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I'm like, I, I like more <laughs> brine and minerality and that kind of cucumber kind of note that I get from
1: mm-hmm. more
0: kind of, uh, uh, but I, I love oysters. I mean, I love uh, broiled oysters are oh, kind yeah. of like my favorite name. And, and like uh, Mark Forgione, who I, I love for a restaurant, um, he does these ones that he just smokes that are just...
1: Absolutely, smoked oysters, gorgeous, phenomenal. gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. I mean, if you're if you're uh, too tired to shuck, you can just pop them on the grill, and they they pop right open. You get a little sauvignon and you have some frizzled leeks, and that that is just yeah, delicious. I know. It's a it's now it's yeah, a meal, yeah. and it's not just in our death.
0: Yeah, so we talk like I've um, interviewed like oyster farmers, and they talk about this merlot, which is a terroir version yes. of oysters, right. which I. Um, which is what we're talking about, whether it's super cold Atlantic water or um, these bays. And uh, there's a d- huge difference. I think um, people should come to regarding voices looking to uh, understand more about how these uh, textures and flavors are kind of um, exert themselves, depending where they're from and depending on what oysters you are yeah, well, uh, getting, actually that,
1: right? Yeah, that, I mean, that is a big part of the salon. There's um, So once everyone learns how to shuck their oysters, they have their half a dozen oysters. So we have, and we have six oysters, and we have four different spirits that they can enjoy with them. We begin with a chartreuse vegetal, just a couple drops of that on top of the oyster, like a perfume. Then we do this beautiful uh, Bourgogne Verjoux, uh, made from the uh, raisins of the cognac from oh Bourgogne. Nice. And uh, then we move into a tradition of the luge, which uh, I do one with a 10-year Madeira, and the students first eat the oyster plain with nothing on it, and they save the oyster liquor, uh, which I later incorporate the Madeira into, and then we, we finish with the, uh, the star. Uh, which is a, a Beaumore tenure. And we do oh, the nice. uh, traditional Isla Oyster Luge, which Bye. is how I first came to really love single malts. I didn't even like them before. I was on a press trip to Isla. What? And and suddenly, you know, there the waves were crashing against the rocks of Jura, and all the journalists had sea spray in their hair, and were eating these oysters that feed on the whiskey runoff. And so they're, like, super boggy, and, and, and... And so much saline and so we would pour the spirit into the oyster shells and suddenly we were getting things that we wouldn't have discovered before you know whereas some of us <laughs> me uh, I, I was getting just nothing but gunpowder and iodine and like burning tires now right. suddenly it was fresh baked bread and oranges yeah. and caramel things that were, were hidden. So yeah. it, was, it was truly a magic shell. Oysters,
0: oysters to me are so primal. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like um, when somebody tells you they've been around for millions of years, I mean, you look at the shell, you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like they are so, um, uh, you know, they were a sign of culture at one point. Like the, if you looked at these mittens, which were like people would just put stacks of oyster shells up. Um That they would make piles of because they were just tossing them, but like it was a sign of like these people knew how to live right uh, that was like, hundreds of years ago yeah, uh like Indians and um, they've been part of our life for so long um and then on top of it, the nutritional density mm-hmm. that of course nobody knew about hundreds of years ago, but like the zinc and the protein and all the stuff that that we need to um to live and to thrive is in oysters absolutely um i I'm just uh, enamored by them they're you know that's why we get a dozen of uh east coast oysters tonight before dinner oh um, that's perfect yeah i know, really with chablis oh i mean chablis excellent choice yeah of that yeah i 06. mean chablis oysters muscadine oysters hmm. peanut butter and jelly you <laughs> know i can tina turner like i could <laughs> go on and on but like you can't get better um um comparisons what was your first oyster you had
1: wow let's see I think, yeah, the, the first oyster experience I had, um, which it's a it's a very similar story to, you know, I, I asked Jonathan Gold, the late Jonathan Gold, uh, uh, the food writer for mm-hmm. LA Times. Um, I asked him, uh, what was his first experience having sea urchin? And he said it was in a parking lot of uh, of a grocery store, and he was just so curious of trying it. And he tried it in the parking lot, and he said this is interesting but I know it's gonna be so much better and I can't wait till it's better and my first experience of having oyster was uh, a Gulf oyster in Florida it's the size of a chicken breast you really need a fork <laughs> and knife to cut it yeah and you, that yeah. is my least favorite oyster I just yeah. I really just like nothing yeah. bigger than like nothing bigger than an inch inch and a half it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just, I, uh, the smaller the yeah. better really yeah. and um, but this, I mean, you, you quite literally had to have a, a fork and knife to to try it. And I took a bite. I was like, you know, it's going <laughs> to taste better. Yeah, Similar to, to By the way, we had
0: a conversation about uni. We love uni. You and I both yes. love uni. So uni is
1: my favorite food. Uni is
0: one of my favorites. And, yeah. and, and most people don't know the best uni comes from. Santa Barbara. Yes. Santa In Barbara. In California. It's yeah. so... God damn
1: good. Yeah, I met oh this incredible gosh. woman, Stephanie Mutz. She uh, she's uh, she's a diver out there. She uh, she dives for a sea urchin and uh, provides some of the, the best restaurants in LA and Santa Barbara. Uh, her sea urchin, uh, which are these beautiful purple shells yeah. and uh, oh God, it's a yeah. terribly dangerous job uh, hmm? they they do uh she was just recently featured in a film called delicacy highly highly recommend it's on a, a channel called psalm tv but uh she's featured in it and uh i met her when i was interviewing her for wine enthusiast and we got along immediately and she said you know i never invite journalists on my boat just Come along, and you know, grabbed a couple of bottles of Chablis, <laughs> and, and it was it was amazing to see how she worked because she had just this kinship with with all the other sea farmers out there you know one guy who was a lobster farmer so he'd toss a couple oysters over to her boat and she'd toss a couple sea urchins over to his and we had some oysters on her boat the next thing you know we're having this kind of turducken of the sea where it's like uh, an oyster with a bit of lobster (laughs) on top and a bit of uni on top it's a little pillbox hat you know and uh it was it was just sublime and we we got along so well we we maintained a A really great friendship, and so she ships her sea urchin to me uh, in New York when I want to have what I call uh, university, and I teach people how to to shuck a sea urchin. Yeah,
0: which is which is hard. You need like a you You need a spoon. Yeah, I mean you you do
1: need uh, uh, kitchen shears.
0: Shears, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And you can do it one of two ways. You know, you can uh, snip it in half, or you can snip around. And scoop out the row, uh, in which case you can preserve the shells into a beautiful objet. Yeah. That you can just dry out and, and have sitting on your mantle you know, proof of conquest. I so I I
0: I think what we're doing is enticing people to come to your university. Uh, university, <laughs> which is uh, um, mm. makes total sense. Um, before we leave, we need to talk about your Frank Sinatra story.
1: Oh, really? <laughs>
0: <coughs> Only because it 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 really. Um, give us an understanding of your, of your <laughs> the way you process words and visions and pictures. Well, um, so okay. tell us your bank story. So,
1: I, so I, did, I did tell Mr. story to John when we were at Raoul's, having yeah. our second, maybe third, last year's. Third of something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so one of my earliest childhood memories was of meeting Frank Sinatra. He docked his boat where my parents docked their boat um, in Port Washington. And one day my mom is getting me dressed and ready to, to go to the marina. She said, it's oh, a very special day. Frank Sinatra's coming. I said, who's that? She said, he's the man who sings the coffee song. Oh, way down among Brazilians, coffee beans. Yeah. So that one. Uh, I said, no, daddy sings the coffee song. She says, no, no, no. This is the man that taught daddy. I right. To sing the yeah, song. Yeah. So I said, well, whoa, whoa. she's like, you just go up to him, be nice. Introduce yourself and charm him, basically. it right. has <laughs> got like flowers in my hair, white eyelid dress, just like <laughs> didn't really hurt the matter that I kind of look like Shirley Temple that age. <laughs> <laughs> And so I kind of make my way through the knees and elbows that are gathering around Sinatra and uh, kind of pull on the pant leg and I look up at these laser beam blue eyes. Petrifying, like never ending story laser beam of blue eyes and all I can say to Sinatra is (laughs) scooby-dooby-doo and he goes to reach for me or pet me or whatever whatever senior citizens do when they're endeared (laughs) by four-year-olds and I bolted (laughs) I was so, so scared and um, my parents found me later. You couldn't be nice. <laughs>
0: you just couldn't be nice. It's so not for for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. Georgette. Come
1: on, Georgette, pull it together.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but <laughs> be the, a lady. i deserve that. But
0: uh <laughs> um I want people to come by and get invited to the coolest party in New York. Ah. And there's only six seats available. There's
1: six seats. Um and it's 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 just it's so much more than a party. It's this empowering experience of learning how to shuck yeah. oysters and how to how to make some beautiful cocktails, classic right uh, milk and honey era cocktails from the pages of Regarding Cocktails, um, which is now in its seventh English printing. It's That's in cool. German, French, and Chinese. Um, but yes, it's um, it's coming back on shelves. Uh, is today the seventh? today's a so it's yes it's actually back on shelves today june oh, cool. 7th Very good. um so uh it can be pre-ordered uh on my website at regarding wasters.com and every copy that's sent out by me personally comes with an inscription and an embossing so oh, that's they're cool. they're actually extra special
0: um yeah there, there are a few things that make new york unique and beautiful and wonderful and it's these kind of intimate gatherings I'm like, learn how to shuck an oyster, learn how to make a great cocktail, learn something. And I think New Yorkers are built for that. Yeah. Um, so. And it's
1: also, it's also so much more than that too, because I mean, you, you can't just survive on cocktails and oysters. So there's little canapes that were taught to me by some of my favorite people in New York City. Um. There's uh, the savory madeleines that I was taught to make by Georgette Farkas from Brotisserie Georgette. Oh. We are kindred Georgettes yeah. and uh, Daniel Belude taught her how to make those oh, savory madeleines. Nice. So so those are always served. It's, it's also very Proustian. Yeah. Um, Marcel Proust is my all-time favorite writer. Oh. So you are essentially in a library, you are in a salon, you are going to have... Literary nibbles as well. Yeah. And so, everything's going to have a story. Um,
0: so <laughs> we are at the end part of the show where we go, hey, uh, what you, so God is going to take Georgette away because he needs a, an incredible uh, cocktail place in heaven. And um, he's going to say, you get one meal. You get one meal, you get one drink, and you get a piece of music to listen to before you leave the planet. So what are we? listening to, what are we drinking, what are we eating, before you disappear to the heavens to, uh, you know, put the velvet rope out front to decide who gets into the uh, Georgia's <laughs> cocktail bar in heaven. <laughs>
1: I really hope the epitaph is glide, swan, glide. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: oh yes, yeah, that is your epitaph, yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's my mantra while I swim, but uh, yeah. but yes, but it also makes a good epitaph. Yeah. Um, so last meal, um, we're going to lead in with some jellied oysters, no. Mm. Um, and we're going to pair that with one of my favorite champagnes, the Bilacartamon fruit rose. Nice. Um, then, of course, we're going to visit our friends in Santa Barbara. We're going to have some sea urchin with a crisp Montrachet paired nice. with it. And then we're going to visit our friends over at Marta Danny Myers oh. restaurant oh, yeah. for the stracciatella pizza. This pizza I would dream about when I was living in LA. Waking up in cold sweats like is pizza going to ever be that good again? The stracciatella pizza with extra basil, maybe a little chili oil on the side, the beautiful glass of Barolo. And then for dessert, we're going to have a milk crepe cake, one of those thousand-layer crepe cakes. Um, and we're going to have that with a water lily cocktail. Uh, it's a milk and honey classic created by Richie Bocato, uh, inspired by my favorite candy growing up, which is the violet candy. My grandmother always the gave those to little purple ones? Yeah, the little show oh. ones. I love those. Yeah, uh, that is just such a crisp, ethereal cocktail, just perfect for ushering you on gossamer wings okay. glide swan glide to wherever you're going glide glide, to glide
0: swan glide it's <laughs> such a great i think that's the name of your book
1: um, oh well,
0: your last well the block, next one
1: right? well the next one is is more of a, a home entertaining it's uh, entertaining for for none and some is, is the next book oh. with illustrations by uh, uh, Parisian illustrator uh, Vincent Mustache, but but very excited about that. But then, um, and so we would also have to have a, a last song on the yeah, on the, yeah, on, the on the turntable. Uh-huh, What's it going to be? be? I think it's going to be uh, Peggy Lee's iteration of Where or When. It's huh. this beautiful tinkling little music box in the background. She's she's so breathy and speaking of reuniting okay. someone she can't quite place she's seen him where or when and oh I, and love I, that. Okay. I, I think that would be the last one
0: okay yeah. well uh, so people should check out regardingoysters.com
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, everything is there the book the story and you'd be insane not to try to book a very small party good luck getting it getting in and uh, um, thank you for being on making the job podcast georgia oh
1: thanks for having me john sure. Bye. Cheers.
0: thanks again for listening don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com until then i'll see you at the bar